Hi folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day you're in. Sure do appreciate y'all joining me. Give me a little bit of your time, hopefully it helps you pass some of the time, whether you're getting ready for work or driving in or sitting on the porch in the evening, doing laundry or dishes or cleaning or chauffeuring kids from one place to the next. Have one kitty cat this morning. No puppy dogs. Heard them earlier running off to check on something. Moon has been awful bright at night and in the mornings lately. I don't know if y'all have seen that in your part of the world. Actually, it was sit on the porch last night with my father and got to see Jupiter pretty brightly up through the pecan trees. It's amazing what's out there when we take the time to stop and look. So we're going to get going. We're going to go back to Columbus again. I know this, we're going to probably spend today and tomorrow still on him and, and that may seem like a inordinate amount of time, but I have a reason. A couple, actually. One is that we hear so much bad information, bad gouge, as we used to call it in the Marine Corps, about Columbus today. If anything, it's almost all negative. And the second is, you know, if we had somebody that went off in a spaceship and discovered a completely new planet, we would give them a pretty good bit of time for a long time. And, and that was, again, as if pretending that we just sent somebody out in a spaceship into the unknown with no telescopes or maps or, you know, any, any idea at all what was out there. Uh, it's hard to even fathom. And so I don't think this is unreasonable, to say the least. So what we're going to do today, I told you all at some point that we would hit this and we're going to today. We're going to talk about some of the natives that they ran into. And it's a little bit disturbing. So I'll warn you with that. Um, but these are some of the firsthand accounts. And what it really does, folks, is, is so often today, we portray one side as completely evil and the other side is, is completely good and genuine. And that's just disingenuous. <laughs> Columbus wasn't perfect by any means, but as we've already talked about, his primary motives were not nearly as self-concerned and greedish, greedish, that's not a word, but greedy as They've been made out to be in recent history. Uh, and the natives, much like when we talk about the Indian Wars of the 19th century, or we talk about the slave trade, uh, the natives, the Indians, nor the African tribes were nearly as kind and caring and utopian and innocent 
as modern leftist culture would like to revise history, which they do, to teach our children. So, we'll see how far we get through this. Uh, it's quite a bit, and we probably won't get through all of it. The Santa Maria ran aground on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1492, and the ship had to be abandoned. On the island of Haiti, Columbus left 40 men in a settlement named La Navidad, meaning the Nativity. He promised to return the next year. On January 13, 1493, Columbus described in his journal their first encounter with the cannibalistic tribe of the Cannibals, or Caribs, from which Caribbean originates. The English word cannibal is derived from the Spanish word carib, which means pariah or piranha. Seeing them, the Caribs running towards them, the Christians gave an Indian a great slash on the buttocks and wounded another in the breast with an arrow. Seeing that they should gain little, although the Christians were not more than seven, they, the Caribs, fifty and more, began to flee until not one remained, one leaving his arrows here and another his bow there. The Christians would have killed many of them, it is said, if the pilot who went with them as their captain had not prevented it. The Christians returned to their caravel with their boat, and when the admiral knew of it, he said that on the one hand he was sorry, on the, on the other not, since they would have fear of the Christians, because without doubt, says he, the folk here are bad actors, as one says, and he believed that they were Caribs and ate men. I wanted to put in just a couple little points here. Uh, this doesn't have anything to do with the Indians, but Columbus viewed himself as servant of the Most High, Savior, Christ, the Son of Mary. That was Those were his own words. Queen Isabella informed the Pope of Columbus's attempt to bear the light of Christ west to the heathen, undiscovered lands. So again and again, you run into not, and that's not to say, folks, that the gold and ambition and land weren't there for sure. Uh, you could say that about most of the people that are successful today, uh, even the good ones. You know, there's got to be a little bit of ego and ambition there. Um, whether that's a good thing, I'm not I'm not saying that's good. I just, it's going to be there. Uh, but there were certainly other primary motives for this trip, at least for Columbus. And apparently, to a certain degree, the queen and king. On September the 25th, 1493, this is... Again, vast majority of this, folks, is coming from America's God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotations. Phenomenal resource, much like the Patriots Bible or the Founders Bible. I can't recommend them highly enough for your, for your family and your home and for every classroom in the country, for sure. On September 25, 1493, Columbus set sail from Cadiz, Spain with 1,200 colonists and 17 ships. They landed in the Indies on November 3, 1493, where Columbus continued his discovery of the islands of Dominica, Margaralanta, Todos los Santos, and Saint Maria de Guadalupe. In returning to the settlement of La Navidad on the island of Haiti, where he had left the 40 men from the wrecked Santa Maria, Columbus's worst fears were realized. 
The Caribs had attacked the fort and killed all his men. Thereafter, Columbus had to resist a growing apprehension amongst the colonists, who previously had anticipated only the marvelous conditions reported from the first voyage. In 1495, Michael de Sueno, Queno, a young Italian nobleman who had accompanied Columbus on the second voyage, recounted in a letter further evidence of the cannibalistic Caribs who inhabited the islands. In that island, St. Maria, we took 12 very beautiful and very fat women from 15 to 16 years old, together with two boys of the same age. These had had genital organs cut to the belly, and this we thought had been done in order to prevent them from meddling with their wives and maybe to fatten them up and later eat them. These boys and girls had been taken by the above-mentioned Caribs, and we spent them, sent them to the Spain, sent them to Spain to the king as a sample. The Caribs, whenever they catch these Indians, eat them as we would eat goats, and they say that a boy's flesh tastes better than that of a woman. Of this human flesh, they are very greedy so that to eat the flesh they stay out of their country for six, eight, or even ten years before they repatriate. And they stay so long whenever they go that they depopulate the islands. We went <clears throat> to the temple of those Caribs, in which we found two wooden statues arranged so that they looked like a pieta. We were told that whenever someone's father is sick, the son goes to the temple and tells the idol that his father is ill, and the idol says whether he should live or not, and he stays there until the idol answers yes or no. If he says no, the son goes home, cuts his father's head off, and then cooks it. I don't believe they eat it, but truly, when it is white, they place it in the above-mentioned temple. And this they do only to the lords. That idol is called Seti. According to what we have seen in all the islands where we have been, both the Indians and the Caribs are largely Sodomites, not knowing, I believe, whether they are acting right or wrong. We have judged that this accursed vice may have come to the Indians from those Caribs, because these, as I said before, are wilder men, and when conquering and eating those Indians, for spite, they may also have committed that extreme offense, which, proceeding thence, may have been transmitted from one to the other. <laughs> I know that sounds pretty disturbing. Um, and it is. Oh, the Black Knight fighter has come back. You know, one thing that I wanted to mention mention earlier that I forgot is a lot of times it's portrayed as if the natives had no desire uh, to see Columbus and immediately resented and hated. And this is true of colonists later on. This is true of westward expansion and and, and a number of other things. Uh, hated those people. And and that's not what we get at all when we actually look back at the writings and just the brief experience 
that I had overseas in villages in Afghanistan and Iraq, and it's not the same situation, folks, but the vast, vast majority of people there that really wanted their country to be better were extremely grateful when we were there. Every time, we're pleased when we showed up. And, and they were pleased when we showed up because there was stability and progress in the sense that C.S. Lewis talks about, meaning that he said, you can only have progress if it's in the right direction. You know, overseas when we were there, for a lot of little girls, we provided the first chance to really get an education that they'd ever had. And, and in some of those villages, we provided the ability to have consistent running water, for example. So this idea that all these natives just despised Columbus is, well, it's just, it's hard to believe that that's <clears throat> even remotely true. And then you start to listen to some of these stories about the cannibals. Dr. Diego Alvarez hmm, Chanka, that's probably not right. The chief physician on Columbus's second voyage described with disgust their encounter with the Caribs. We inquired of the women who were prisoners of the inhabitants what sort of people these islanders were, and they replied, Caribs. As soon as they learned that we abhor such kind of people because of their evil practice of eating human flesh, they felt delighted. They told us that the Carib men used them with such cruelty as would scarcely be believed, and that they eat the children which they bear them, only bringing up those whom they have had by their native wives. Such of their male enemies as they can take away alive they bring here to their homes to make a feast of them, and those who are killed in battle they eat up after the fighting is over. They declare that the flesh of man is good to eat, that nothing can compare with it in the world. And this is quite evident for the human bones we found in the houses. Everything that could be gnawed had already been gnawed so that nothing remained but what was too hard to eat. In one of the houses, we found a man's neck cooking in a pot. In their wars of the inhabitants of the neighboring islands, these people capture as many of the women as they can, especially those who are young and handsome and keep them as body servants and concubines. And so great a number do they carry off that in 50 houses we entered, no man was found, but all were women. Of that large number of captive females, more than 20 handsome women came away voluntarily with us. When the Caribs take away boys as prisoners of war, they remove their organs, fatten them until they grow up, and then, when they wish to make a great feast, they kill and eat them. For they say the flesh of women and youngsters is not as good to eat. Three boys thus mutilated came fleeing to us when we visited the houses. Not utopian, folks. Certainly not for the cannibals. And perhaps even more so not for the natives who were attacked and butchered by them. Are tortured. I mean, that just kind of stretches, boggles the mind.
see how much time we've got left here. We'll read just a little bit more, folks. Columbus, after establishing the settlements of Isabella and Santo Domingo on the island of Hispaniola, proceeded to explore for five months, leaving the colony under poor supervision. Supplies in the colonies began to diminish. Tropical diseases were spreading, and the colonists grew discontent. By the time the next fleet left for Spain, 200 colonists, most in bad health, left with it. Their complaints resulted in a royal investigation in October of 1495, much to the outrage of Columbus. In March 1946, Columbus left for Spain to defend himself. Six years after the discovery of the New World, Columbus's concern for the spiritual welfare of the native people was still of primary importance. In his famous treatise book, I don't know how to say this, folks, Testament of the Founding Hereditary Family Estate, Dated Thursday, February 22nd, 1498, he stated, Also, I order to said Don Diego, my son, or to him who will inherit, said Muerzago, I guess that's him being a mayor, more or less, that he shall help to maintain and sustain on the island of Hispaniola four good teachers of the holy theology, with the intention to convert to our holy religion all those people in the Indies. And when it pleases God, that the income will increase, that then also be increased the number of such devoted persons who will help all these people to become Christians. And may he not worry about the money that it will be necessary to spend for the purpose. On May 30th, 1498, Columbus left from Spain on the third voyage with six ships. He decided that the first new land he discovered would be named in honor of the Trinity, citing an island off the coast of Venezuela, which coincidentally had three peaks. He gave it the name Trinidad, which it retained to this day. So Columbus, not only did he not despise the natives, he, he from his own writings and from those of others, cared a pretty good deal about them. And the natives, far from this utopian society, folks, had, in many aspects, a really brutal one. Uh, One that's hard to imagine today for a lot of us. We've forgotten who we are and where we came from. Because we, we've bought into this narrative that America and everything that has anything to do with America is systemically racist, sexist, oppressive. Um, And when I say we bought into it, I mean systemically in our education system, in our institutions, military. We see it promoted and, and pressed forward. And I can't remember the president whose quote this is. And there's been quite a few that have said something like it. But if we don't remember who we are, where we came from. We can have no idea where we're going or what we ought to be. And uh, and we can fix it again, folks, always, if we'll go back and remember how we started. Remember God. Remember his son, Jesus Christ, as a nation. But that's, that's the only place. That's the only way to stop what we seem to be headed toward. Sure to appreciate y'all joining me. Give me a little bit of your time. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.